Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. It's good to be with you, Father. It's probably been about a month since we've recorded. It's been a month since we recorded and a long time since we've been here at this physical desk. We are live together. Well, we are. live on the recording. Live we to are tape. In person. We are in person. In vivo, as they say in Spanish. Yeah. Um, it's good to be back in Sioux City. Yes. Welcome home. A little summer repose. Extremely hot this week that you decided to come back. Yes. No, it was great. I, I did an eight-day retreat up at Room Tree. Retreat Center in South Dakota in the Diocese of Sioux Falls I feel like with Trudy McCaffrey. I feel like you've said on this podcast before that you prefer to go to retreats in like exotic locations and explicitly not South Dakota. So when I heard yeah. that you were going to Broomtree, I mean, I understand it's like Trudy McCaffrey's this wonderful uh, um, spiritual director. Right. And all the all the Kendrick boys go there. Right. So anyways, you kind of gave up the exotic dream of the beaches or whatever. No, I, I prefer to do retreats in mountains, though I can't say I've done a ton of them. Um, it's just nice to get somewhere out of the Midwest, out of the plains, and yeah. just be inspired by God's beauty elsewhere, mm-hmm. you know. But I specifically went. Um, I haven't always had the best experiences at Broomtree, and that's another story. We're not getting into that today. But, I, yeah, I went because um, all these seminarians, priests, and religious are doing 30 days right now this right. month. Um, there's some Kenrick faculty up there serving as spiritual directors, and I've always wanted to do a retreat with Trudy McCaffrey. We tried a couple of years ago, and the the, the scheduling just didn't work out. Trudy is um, a faithful laywoman, a Canadian mother of four, and she's been doing spiritual direction for priests for about 40 years now. Yeah, um, Really insightful, really gifted woman. Um, it was a great retreat. I mean, it was one of the best I've ever had, and, and she, her her love of the Lord and, and her insights into the spiritual life really mm. helped assist that and open some new th- new avenues and some new doorways in my heart. Um, I have one question about Broomtree. Yes. Um, did you have any handballs while you were there? I had no handballs. No handballs. No. <laughs> that wasn't on have the Have you always had those there? No, that was just, I mean, that's a pretty classic Midwestern dish, sure. right? <laughs> and the food, the food's good. The food's yeah. really good. At the food has improved actually it has quite improved. a bit. And it was good before yeah. when I was there for my 30 day. Um, we're in silence, 30 days. They would have a little card that said what the main entree was for the meal, mm-hmm. and it just said ham balls. And I'm just <laughs> watching the expression of the guys, you know, everybody in Denver, I mean, there were guys from Montana and stuff, which is kind of an extension of the, you know, upper Midwest. But especially the guys from cities who'd never experienced, you know, the delicacies of Midwest cuisine, just right. kind of like <laughs> their expressions. But then afterwards, they're like, they're delicious. They're incredible. <laughs> well, of course, like a little salty, a little sweet. They're all sure. wonderful. But that was always kind of the joke that was, you know, yeah. that was there. But What's a handball? The other funny thing that happened at Broomtree, the one day for lunch we had um, French dip sandwiches, uh-huh. which in- introduces the little au jus cup. I right. don't think I've told this before. Have I said this? No, go ahead. So like you're deep into a silent retreat. You're kind of in your groove. Things, you know, little things you kind of done with the little distractions, whatever, you're kind of just in the groove. Mm-hmm. Well, there's all of a sudden this extra dish that guys weren't used to. So like in the middle of lunch, a guy drops his plate and it shatters. And oh. just that you can imagine the, the shock of everybody. Sure. So one of my friends, he tells this story later that as that happens, he's watching him like, man, poor guy. I bet he, this is all the weird like internal dialogue. Man, poor guy. Like he must be feeling so like insecure right now. They just dropped his plate. He's like, man, I, another guy should just drop their plate too. Just like, you know, 
help him be not so insecure. <laughs> he's all thinking all that. As he's thinking that, he just adjusts his tray and actually drops his plate. Oh no! So everybody else, they hear one plate crash. Oh man! Like oh, it's a great party. Yeah, they settle down, <laughs> and then a second one. We're all looking at each other. <laughs> What's going on? So weird stuff can happen on. Saturday and it was games. all because of the Aju cups. All the Aju cups. Well. <laughs> I'm wondering if we should title this episode Handballs or Aju. Handballs uh, and Aju. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. That'd be very clickbaity. Well, I'm glad you had a really, that would be clickbaity for all of our clickbaity people. Speaking of the people who click on our podcast. Yes. I did a Theology on Tap talk for Holy Trinity Parish uh, Mm, in Fort Dodge. Dodge. In downtown Fort Dodge. And I I apologize for the slur that I used to refer to that city Many years ago on this same podcast oh. um, that, you know, we received feedback for. So won't say it again. Stop the hate. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I went to the Shiny Top Brewery, downtown Fort Dodge. Never been there before. I don't Was think that I there back either. in the day when you were there? I don't think so. Well, there's a lot of Maybe I missed podcast it. listeners in Fort Dodge, which uh-huh. makes sense because you're very beloved there as the parochial vicar back in the day in your early days of priesthood. Uh-huh. Um, but it was nice. It was nice. I was surprised the amount of people who walked up and um, as we were chatting we're just referencing different episodes, and um, so we might have a little, little fan club there. And well, shout out to Holy Webster Trinity County. Yeah, exactly. It was nice. Um, it was one of the weirdest. We've given a lot of theology on tap esque mm-hmm. ta- talks, and mm-hmm. that is like a trademark name. So all the various, mm-hmm. you know, pious, which is copyrighted. It by is. The way. I know. And mm-hmm. I make sure to tell everybody, pious pints. And this one was called Curious Catholics because, but then I'm pretty sure Father Ross stole Curious Catholics from. Father Dave Heeman or vice versa, because there's two events in the diocese called that now. Anyways, given lots of them in this one, I thought it was going to be awesome because there's a little stage. But then as we started going, I realized that the kitchen was in the back of this like annex room. Mm -hmm. And so servers, the entire talk were just walking in front of me. The entire time. They wanted to listen in. Walking in front of me, walking in. And then this, this family sitting in front of me, their like son was like slamming his like fork on his plate. And I realized that halfway through my talk, they weren't even there for my talk. They just grabbed a seat. Oh, in that annex room. So, very distracting. Very okay. wonderful people in Fort Dodge. Well, they got to listen to the pearls of wisdom fall from your lips, even if they weren't planning on coming Speaking to a of talk. Pearls of wisdom. We have a book holding in our hand here, Father Shane. What are wow, we nice segue, uh-huh. Father. I'd like to talk about um, the British writer, the British poet Sally Reed, um, contemporary uh, figure who grew up atheist and um, had a massive conversion that actually occurred quite quickly when she was living outside of Rome in the little town of Santa Marinella. Um, she grew up atheist, and she's written, um, published back in 2006, she wrote a uh, conversion story published by Ignatius Press. And there is a particular line that I'd like to go back to uh, as she talks about her conversion experience and how she was looking at the church. Mm. Um, so for any of our listeners who might be really struggling with the Catholic Church, Maybe you've, you're tr- just trying to figure out what this weird institution is, this body of believers that's worldwide embracing 2,000 years of, of culture and history and, and peoples, um, and still today expressed in cultures all over the world. Um, or you know, if you're walking with somebody who's really struggling and maybe they have one foot in, one foot out, they can't quite you know, make sense of the church, I thought we could just kind of dive into this today based on a, a line that Sally Reed offers in her conversion story called Night's Bright Darkness. Mm. Night's Bright Darkness by Ignatius Press. Mm. Um, 
she herself is a poet. She's a literary figure. So she thinks in terms of literary ideas and concepts. Is she still living? Or? Yes. Okay. She's still living. She's, she's writing. She's publishing. She goes around, does a lot of speaking, mm. um, but had a, a massive conversion experience when living in Italy. She, she's British. Um, she ended up marrying an Italian. They lived in the island of um, Sardinia for a while, and they moved outside of Rome where she had her conversion experience. Um, anyways, being this literary figure, she thinks in terms of poetry. She thinks in terms of literature. And one day she just kind of had this insight that um, if you don't know how to interpret literature, you just kind of feel like you're on the outside. And it dawned on her, oh, yeah. that's exactly how she's looked at the church. Mm. And, and she, she was struggling with so many of the church's traditions and teachings that she just couldn't understand why anyone was following this, mm. even though she was being introduced to all kinds of young adults in Italy who were faithful. Um, but she always felt like uh, she was an outsider looking in, and it just looked like this bizarre institution, this bizarre cult that she could never get her arms around. And this is what she says um, in, her, in her conversion account. She said, I was seeing ever more clearly how the church, as I'd also come to see in St. Augustine, is like a poem. Step outside the meter, the rhyme scheme, the scansion, the range of metaphor, and you lose its life. If you don't know how to interpret poetry, if you don't get rhythm, if you don't understand the cadence value, if you don't see the value of metaphors and the similes, if you really can't enter into that and appreciate literature and good poetry, well, then it just kind of looks like words on a page. Mm-hmm. And, and that just dawned on her that that's exactly how she was looking at the church as, as kind of light bulbs were starting to go on in her mind. And she was feeling grace, and the Lord was drawing her heart in a sense of, of a response of love. Mm-hmm. All of these things were starting to awaken in her, and she realized I didn't even have the language. I didn't have the interpretive lens by which to see the church until I kind of stepped inside. Mm. Um, you know, I think uh, another image that's often been used, you know, by people who look at the church funny is when you're actually physically standing outside of a Catholic church, you see stained glass windows. Ah, and yes. when you see them on the outside, all you see is the lead stenciling and there's no light coming through it when you're standing outside in daylight and, and you really can't appreciate it. But then, of course, all of a sudden you step inside and you see the glory and you see the pattern, the, the layout, and, and the light shining through, and it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you can appreciate the beauty. I think that's exactly what you know, Sally Reed was experiencing in her conversion. I think that's so, what so many people um, struggle with when they're looking at the church from, from without, mm-hmm. from the outside, um, mm. and just wondering, how is it that people can even enter into this institution when I seem to be out here only seeing darkness, only mm-hmm. seeing confusion, only seeing hindrances. Yeah. That's really helpful, um, especially with this this continuing idea that we're trying to unpack of those who feel outcast, mm-hmm. but these different kind of ways of feeling outcast. And so this, I, I don't know if she was baptized or something before, right? When she, she was. Raised, right? She was baptized Anglican, but it didn't yeah, mean much yeah. to her family. So this is what I'm thinking here. It's like, She's a particular experience of, of being outcast from the church, being on the outside of the stained glass, being on the outside of the sort of language, the vocabulary, the understanding, like she's comparing to this analogy of literature. But I'm also thinking of people who've grown up in the church. I think maybe the larger group that like kind of the people who listen to this, maybe those people themselves or their family members 
grown up in the church but have disaffiliated after high school, after college, after years of kind of, and I feel like it's the same way because what I saw when I first got to college and we were all trying to get into literature and stuff, and I've seen this in like kind of young adult Catholic circles or, or college Catholic circles, um, you want to be the type of guy who reads poetry. You want to be the type of guy who like reads Dostoevsky or like all these things. And you have no idea what you're doing, right? Uh-huh. You want to be the type of guy who's like knows this Catholic stuff. But I think what I've noticed that's happens is, is that if you don't actually understand it. So, and I was called out on this in my own literature classes in the same way. It's like, <clears throat> you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't actually know how this is working. Mm-hmm. Like you can just kind of like read these, like I, I took a modern poetry class once and you can like read modern poetry and it can seem like it's just random, like free form stuff all over the place. And the professor called us out because I think I tried to like write some for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he said, he didn't say it directly to me, but I had given him this po- poetry that I wrote. And he basically said like, yeah, so uh, free form poetry actually still follows like a real structure. And you can't just write random words on a page and call it a poem. He just mm-hmm. said that to the class, which was clearly directed at me. Mm-hmm. But I think, Burned by the I think this is exactly <laughs> it. When you've grown up in the faith, right? You can actually still, you can maybe know the right words to use to talk about it, but if it's never been explained and unpacked and lived, you end up feeling just as outcast as somebody totally on the outside. Mm-hmm. So that there's kind of a couple different like groups of folks who feel outcast, right? There's like the atheist who's had a big conversion here, right? Who's realizing, oh, I, I didn't understand it. I was on the outside of it. It's like I didn't know these liter- literary like um, framework. But then I think people who also like it, they're kind of surrounded by it. They grow up in the church. They they go to mass. They know some of the things, but it still hasn't been explained to them. It doesn't make sense. So mm-hmm. then they still find themselves outside of it. Yeah, I think there's a there's certainly a culture that's developed within any institution, especially an institution as large as the Catholic Church and old. Yeah, and and inter- understanding in that cultural context. What's the rhythm of life? What are the traditions? What do the symbols mean? What are the words, the vocabulary, the lingo? All of that's present, mm-hmm. you know, in any religious organization. But I think there's also something to be said about just seeing the form. I mean, like you didn't see the form of freeform poetry, right? Form, yeah, right, exactly, whatever. But but there just there is something to be said about seeing the form, like when you, when you see the the overall form of Christianity. What God reveals, what humanity receives, what we give back to God in a response of faith, love, and hope, then shapes every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. It shapes our worship. It, it shapes our moral decisions. It shapes how we recreate. There becomes a form of life based on the form of what God reveals and what he calls us to. And that's different than just following an ideology that's different than just following a social club, right? There's a form of life that gets it gets um, enlivened from within. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see that, <laughs> all of a sudden you're just wondering, like, what are these people doing? What are they following? Why are they listening to this? Why are they behaving this way? Uh, because there, there, I think there's an inner structure. There, there's the form that seems to be lacking. Yeah. You know, which runs much more deeply than just being able to interpret stained glass or poetry. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that, in the same way that that literally happened to me in, with literature, right? Uh-huh. It, it also happened to me in my growth in the faith, too. It's like, yeah, so I grew up in this cultural reality of, like, we went to Mass on Sundays, right? And my, like, 50s church didn't have as much sort of, like, symbolism or whatever, like, painted on the walls. But mm-hmm. there was still a recognition of, like, oh, yeah. But then as I as I, as I I grew in an understanding of, like, the church's treasure of 
prayer and teaching and truth, especially through seminary and stuff. Yeah, the framework was almost like pieced together or maybe revealed for me and I hadn't realized it. And you know, the more I talked to like my, my, my mom and her friends, kind of um, the Gen X generation who've kind of grow, grown up in the same way where they're like, whoa, whoa, I, I, had, I had no idea this is what like was being offered. Mm-hmm. Like why was this kind of held back for me? Like if they talk about their kind of experience of catechesis or whatever, and there's mm-hmm. this new kind of excitement. Um, speaking of theology on tap, my mom's had this, this one in, in Hartford, South Dakota, and the people that come are her generation. It's not just like young people, mm-hmm. you know, like people in their twenties or something that often that's, it's actually this new experience of a lot of folks who have been in the church for a while are finding themselves feeling pretty outcast from an understanding of the church seeing like, well, what does this actually have to do with my life? What does this mean? And all of a sudden, like once these kind of different veils are taken off or whatever it might be, right. Or like pulled back, it's like, Oh wait, this has been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it just seems like the, the invitation, like, is not to just write off the outside of the stained glass because it's confusing or to write off poetry as a whole because you just don't understand it or it's like seems kind of weird from the outside. Yeah. What's interesting is we don't seem to do this in a lot of other things. Like um, I've never been into rowing. I've never been on a crew team. But right? you're not you're not just like writing off rowing yeah. as the worst thing in the world. Right? Yeah, and I would realize that there is there's a culture, there's history, there's traditions. Uh, there's techniques, there's styles, there's certain materials that go into the oars, the 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 the, um, the building of the the the, um, the boat skull, itself, skull exactly. So I mean, there, there's a language, there's a form, there's a tradition, there's respect, there's reverence there, mm. um, and we we don't always find that same maybe sense of reverence for culture and form and tradition that we would see when it comes to the church. Now, of course, what the church is proposing is going to actually impact people's lives much more deeply than rowing. Yeah. You know, so there's the rub. Challenge. There's a risk. Yeah, there's a risk. There's there. no risk of like, of leaving like leaving rowing at arm's, arm's length. Right. It's like, hey, you do your thing over there. Right. But there's and, a real proposal and there's a real risk if you take it or not. Right. Yeah. Huh. And people who are rowing aren't exactly trying to um, infiltrate all of culture with a lifestyle based on rowing. Maybe some, who knows? <laughs> Not that I'm aware maybe of. river towns where we don't live. I, yeah, you know. I, haven't, I haven't encountered them. But, but you see the point, right? Yeah. Like there is um, there's um, osmosis isn't the right word, but there is a, a ripple effect that comes when people are devoutly living for Jesus. Mm. And every aspect of their light becomes a light that is to shine for the whole world. Mm-hmm. And and some people meet that and they're just like, ooh, get away. I don't I'm being blinded. Your light is kind of bright in my eyes. And I don't understand what your lighthouse is even all about. Yeah. And and that does start to impact mm-hmm. and that creates a rub in our culture when people really want to live for Christ and others don't see it. I'm curious then last couple minutes here, like if somebody's finding themselves in that posture where they're feeling that maybe they're outside of the church like they're outside of poetry, right? Mm-hmm. Like this analogy that um that the, the author offered, right? Mm-hmm. What's that first step to come to like a greater understanding or like to step inside the church to see the stained glass in a new way? Well, I would say just the humility to have a, a conversation with somebody. If you're standing outside the church and you're confused, if you're bewildered, if you're, if you're curious, or if you're in the church and you're walking with somebody who's on the outside, to just have the humility to say, you know what? You don't see the form right now and that's okay. Mm. Um, you're standing on the outside looking in and you might not appreciate the little cultural elements. You might not understand the, the lingo and the symbols, 
but you also don't understand perhaps how it's uh, cohesively intended to impact every aspect of your life. Hmm. And if you don't see that yet, that's okay. Let's walk with you. Um, you know, let's, let's answer your questions. Let's invite you in and slowly through osmosis be able to maybe pick up the lingo, appreciate the symbols. And, of course, all this is going to have to be touched by the grace of God. This isn't something that we just muster up on yeah. our own courage. You right. know? Um, but I think just to have the humility to say, okay, somebody's on the outside. Well, we can respect them for where they're at in their journey. And, and we don't have to belittle them, and, and we can receive their questions. We can s- receive their curiosity. We can even receive their critiques if they're just noticing like the, the sinful mistakes of people within the church. I think that's important, the mutual humility, humility looking at the structure mm-hmm. that might be confusing or might be like a, you might be alienated to, but then a humility to look at folks who are outside of it, right? Mm-hmm. That, that seems like be like where real conversion and evangelization actually start to meet, right? Mm-hmm. When it's like I'm looking at folks outside, not as I'm writing somebody off, maybe like a family member who's left the church or who's drifted away or who's now on the other side of the stained glass and not seeing the kind of glory shining through that you can see with these eyes of faith mm-hmm. or an under, like a, a deep appreciation of poetry because you've spent a lot of time, you know, reading and discussing these different authors and understanding where they're coming from, all these things, different mm-hmm. things to have a humility to say, okay, they're not there mm-hmm. and that's okay. And my goal isn't just to like make them be in my club. Right. My goal is to like help them see something that they're not seeing. Right. And that's probably going to be through me, which means I need to like be humble enough to say like, how do I need to change right. <laughs> first, you know? Right. But then for humility for folks who are on the outside to say, maybe you don't actually have it all figured out, <laughs> and maybe maybe there's something more, right? Yeah. And to have to have a little bit more of a reverence, right? Like rowing, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on over there. It's maybe a little confusing, but there's something beautiful about it when you watch it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they might not see that. They might be really hurt. They might be really wounded. They right. might not see anything beautiful coming out of the church. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if that's where you're at, if you're operating out of a lens of pain, well, let's acknowledge that uh, because that's a, that's a true reality that you're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hopefully those people would find people within the church who want to say, I will accompany you and we will talk through these things. Getting caught up in the wires here. <laughs> yes. So anyways, thanks to Sally Reed and her conversion, most, most especially thanks to the grace of God who has drawn her into the church, and with her great literary skills that he himself has given her, she continues to impact others. So check out her conversion story, Night's Bright Darkness by Ignatius Press. Um, But also let's just pray for anyone on the outside looking in that they might come to see the glory of the form. God bless everyone. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.